right, fine, we're recording. Let's do it. Progress, the robot lady said so. I just took a cheap shot at Steve right yeah, before he hit record. Jeez. I mean, I know, I, I know patience is in my strong suit, but I do have it. I just never know when it's going to come up. What, patience? Yeah, I just don't know when you're actually going to have patience. So you're saying you have to like walk on eggshells around me. Is that what you're saying? Well, have you ever heard of like being an adult child of an alcoholic? Yes. I kind of like being, that's like being your friends like that. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I, <laughs> I am so, I am so joking. I'm just, Whatever, we're all dude. coming in hot. We're all, we're, we're we, definitely coming in hot. I don't know. Said, Dave seems pretty relaxed, actually. Dave is going to bring us all back to earth. I hope so. I, we were running late. We said 830. We didn't have, and it was all kinds of stuff. And so I took some cheap shots at Steve. So this will be a fun show. Sure. Should we? Hi, everybody. Should, hi. Why oh, we got to do the, let's introduce some. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast extravaganza brought to you today by <laughs> Coconut Cola LaCroix. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I have a microphone that works. Thank God. Yeah, I know. I stole one. <laughs> I, st I stole one from my job. Nice. Good for you. Yeah, don't I, I don't do that anymore. This is what I got. Look at that. Oh, look at you. We're ready to take this show on the road, Joel. Oh, my God. He got a gadget. I don't know. It looks like a, a tricorder a, from a Star Trek. It kind of is, actually. It's actually a four-channel recorder, portable. When, oh. Yeah. So, oh, so, could, so, so can next week we just go to the park and sure. record live? If it's just the two a, of us, we can just record it on this thing. Dude, I'll bring a card table and some beverages. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be so! It's gonna be so great. Try to uh, be better live. Um, I'm glad everybody's here. Follow us on Instagram at Trying to Be Better Podcast, or email us. Please email us at ttbbpodcast at gmail dot com. Ding 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 ding! Joel got it. Um, yeah. It. So I'm glad everybody's here. We um, do we have any other business to attend to, Stephen? Well, I, I now have a bone to pick with you, but we'll get to that later. Let's talk to our guest. Yeah. Maybe maybe Dave will bring you <laughs> out of your... <laughs> I, that was... A, it, you're, if I am trying to be better, that was a total cheap shot. That yeah. was a total cheap shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this sounds like a morning zoo show all, all of a sudden. You got sound effects? <laughs> I'm just getting um, started, man. We have a we have an amazing guest today. Um, I was over having dinner with some family, and uh, my younger sister asked, "Who uh, do you have a guest?" And I was like, "Yeah, um, he's an art professor at a, another liberal arts college here in Lincoln, and he's a brilliant contemporary painter." And she's like, "Oh my gosh, I've had so my little sister's been in your class, Dave, and so your reputation precedes you because everybody <laughs> that I've talked to that's had you in class." You're like a fan favorite. So uh, everybody, please give a big trying to be better podcast. Welcome to David Gracie. Hi, David. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, man. Glad you're here. This is, uh, this is so weird seeing you guys do your thing. <laughs> you guys this are. Is, you're getting to see how the sausage is made. This is the magic, right? That's here. right. This Behind is the, the magic. Curtain. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty great, isn't it? I mean, is it? it's glamorous as all get out. Yeah. I mean, I know all, all joking aside, you guys are, you know, it's like, I look forward to a, your show every week oh. and you guys are good. I mean, you know, Thank you're going to get those sponsorships rolling in here. Like any, any day now, now any day now, 
Thanks, Dave. Yeah, that thanks, means a lot. Yeah. That actually does mean yeah. a lot because I have a, a tr- I mean, I know you a little bit personally, but I, you know, and I, I've seen your work and your, your art is phenomenal. So, um, th- these are slightly different mediums, but having you say that you like, this is a big deal to me personally, just cause you're a great artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so there you have oh. it. That's nice to say. Sure, man. Well, I mean, you're, uh, you're a fan favorite in our house. I mean, Francesca's in love with one of your paintings. <laughs> she really, spindle. She thinks that's like the greatest thing ever. And she, to make it even better, she thinks it's great that you have it on loan to her. That's hanging above her bed. She talks about it all the time. She loves it. I have an original David Gracie I'm holding in my hand right now. That. It's a very small painting of a flame. I love it. Yeah, but Joel. I, I just found out in your last in the last episode. I think you mentioned that you were colorblind, which I was not aware of. Yeah, and and Steve wasn't aware of that either. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I think the te- the 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 real term is color deficient. I think there are folks that are colorblind that <laughs> that see that see things in like sapia. I, that's not me. I see color. I just can't differentiate hue. So like. I don't have certain rods and cones in my eyes that can differentiate greens from browns, yellows from oranges sometimes, purples and blues, that sort of thing. Yeah, I know that, that I have a colleague whose son is colorblind and he swaps the compliments, hmm. which is kind of scary. You know, if you think red is green, oh, yeah, sure. you know, you just have to know the placement on the traffic light, you yep, know, yep. so. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. I'd say 90% of traffic lights I can tell. There are some that are weirdly made that trip me up sometimes in different cities. But um, yeah, if you know where they're located, you're fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have pandemic blindness because I haven't gotten my eyes checked in a year and a half. And my glasses are like kind of crooked on my face. So they're like, they kind of, they don't really stay up anymore. They're super scratched up and I'm just, now it's time to go back to the eye doctor. Yeah. So no excuses. Right. Yeah. Well, I have magnifying goggles. So I can just wear them around the house. <laughs> oh, that is, please. Can we see those? Do you have them? I do actually. I'll grab them for you. Like Egon from Ghostbusters. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's what I imagine. Like those, those magnifying things that go over his glasses. Right. Right now you know, nobody can see this on the podcast, but Dave is down in his, <laughs> yeah, his studio dungeon. Right. Okay, I'm gonna definitely get a screenshot of this though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are these are these are what helped me <laughs> do the thing. I could do the rest of the podcast. I can't it would hurt my head. Leave them on one more second. Want, Put them back want, on. Uh, David, I feel like now you look like you're a member of Devo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Fantastic. And that's uh-huh. and so you use those when you're painting something very small or you need to get really detailed. Yeah, I mean, if you have magnifying uh, goggles on, you know, the smallest area looks like a really big painting. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it enables me to, uh, I have like really small brushes and I throw those on and I just go into my little world, like poking and prodding. That's really cool. So I saw a a a photograph of a painting of an ice cube. Is that a recent thing? Is that something in progress? Yeah, I mean, I have... I started the, yeah, I, I've done uh, two previous paintings of ice cubes. Um, they're really originally titled um, Small Ice Cube and Large Ice Cube. 
Okay. <laughs> and this one is I'm not sure yet. Ice okay. cube. Um, but uh, this ice cube is just right. <laughs> just <laughs> Goldilocks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was something I started a while ago, and um, you know, things happened, and I had to put it aside. I just couldn't work on it, and um, and then I've just been able to start back up on it. Hmm. So it's going really well actually and i don't know we'll see sure you never you never quite know where you know i, I the previous painting i was working on I was finished like two and a half months before it was actually finished so mm-hmm. um yeah so let's 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 take a step back um and 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 get into i, I want to hear about um i want to hear about david gracie in baltimore mm. That's what I, that's what I just a completely abrupt non segue. Hard, uh, hard turn. Yeah. Yeah. Hard turn. Like you, we, 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 we've established Dave, Dave's a, Dave's an artist. He's a painter, but how does that, how does that happen? Like where, what, how did you end up from Baltimore to Lincoln, Nebraska? Well, um, I ended up doing, you know, I think the way I found art is that it was the thing that brought me um, a degree of peace, I guess, doing Mm. it. Um, Mm -hmm. um, When did that start? It was like, when did you realize young in my life? Yeah, when I was a kid, you know, when I was in elementary school. Okay. Uh-huh. I could, I, cause I was, you know, all over the place, but mm-hmm. um, I can relate when I would either, when I would sit down and, and draw, I would just get completely, you know, sucked into the process and be where, you know, be present. You know, of course I wasn't aware of that. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, there was other things, I mean, playing sports with friends, you know, you kind of get into uh you're like, you're fully in the moment when you're, you know, shooting hoops or something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. the, that was the other thing that I was into. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my father went to art school uh, in the sixties at the Maryland Institute college of art. Mm. Um, but, uh, and he liked comics and he, he went to school for, for graphic design before there was, you know, before they used computers. Sure. So all hand painted stuff. But uh, he, he was uh, officer in the army and he went over to Germany mm-hmm. and Heidelberg. And um, funny story behind that is that uh, he, he would always say that, you know, he was supposed to get sent to Vietnam while well, they were kind of set to be sent to Vietnam. And right. another officer brought a case of whiskey to the, some guy at the Pentagon and they got sent to, to Germany instead. But um, <laughs> So the story goes, I don't know yeah. how, much, how much true the truth is there with that. Sure. But, um, so my, my dad, uh, my dad uh, ended up actually, you know, getting out of the army and um, he went to work for a bank because he got paid more than working at a design firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he always credited his art education with, you know, giving him a way of looking at the world and seeing things as, you know, problems to be solved. Hmm. And um, so when I was younger, my dad was super encouraging. He bought me, you know, I, my parents were divorced when I was really young. 
Um, so the, one of the weekend dad type of things was art supplies, art projects, building models, mm. sports mm. stuff. Sure. So, um, and then, you know, so when I got into, when I got into high school, I started getting in trouble and, um, you know, I, you know, it was the, it was the previous opioid epidemic mm-hmm. <laughs> in the nineties mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was going in the wrong direction. And, uh, when you say opioid have, epidemic, you're not talking about pills. I'm talking heroin. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there was, you know, you know, this was a Baltimore, Baltimore County, Prince George. I mean, all around Baltimore situation. It wasn't mm-hmm. segregated. I mean, Baltimore is a very segregated city, but this was everywhere. And, um, mm-hmm. People in my high school started doing it, and my best friend's older brother, you know, did it. I think like three times and died of an overdose. Oh, wow! wow. So that's so that was when I was sophomore sophomore in high school, and then I got shortly after that, that I got in trouble myself, but not you know not with that. So I kind of got scared straight, and I started to really focusing focus my time on. Uh, my artwork i did these mm. drawings all over my walls in my bedroom like mm. dozens on the, of on the actual wall on the wall nice yeah so like the whole all the walls of my bedroom were drawn with my friends faces and you know jimmy hendrix yeah. nice <laughs> the beastie boys you know that type of thing yes and um you know i kind of did it backwards where i was like close to failing out of school when i was early in high school and then pulled it together later in high school. And then that Mm -hmm. sort of carried through actually through college. I got, I had a a lot of fear of failure Mm. and (laughs) that type of stuff. And um, yeah, so I had an amazing, I went to the Hartford Art School, which was part of the University of Hartford. And uh, I wanted to play lacrosse and do art. And it was Mm. kind of a good school to do that. But it didn't, Hartford, Connecticut, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the Maryland Institute College of Art like my father, but my dad wanted me out of Baltimore, you know, because <laughs> he saw trouble. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of town. Um, so went to went to Hartford and played a little bit of lacrosse. And then they the class schedules, you know, the class schedule, you know, studio classes are three hours long. Mm-hmm. And Hartford is a division one lacrosse program. So like it just sort of the overlap wasn't great. And I didn't, I, I really wanted to, I mean, I got into art school and I wasn't as good at drawing as a lot of other people were, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was I mean, in high school. I was, you know, the, 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 the yearbook awardee for art and yeah, then you sure. get to college and I got like a C my first year, my first semester in drawing. And that totally freaked me out. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, I had a great experience at Harvard. Really awesome teachers. So what? Was, so the, I mean, I think there's a couple of things I want to pinpoint though, and just kind of like make sure to put a pin in that. Like your your dad was somebody that was really supportive of your of your uh, pursuits as an artist, and then also saw your potential and said, "You need to get you need to get out of Baltimore." and and follow these passions whether it be your lacrosse or your your art um what i and maybe you're about to get to that but like because i know 
a lot of folks have this sort of aha moment at, in their undergraduate study where it's like you kind of you kind of have that shift between what got you there and what's going to get you further like what was that artistic was was there a moment in a drawing class a painting class or your own work or did you have to have a show did, something that sort of you turned a corner in your own personal aesthetic well i mean when i when i went into hartford i thought i was going to do illustration because i thought that was a more practical mm. way of um you know i thought it was a more practical thing to study and my dad actually was the one who discouraged me from doing that I, I don't know if he had the, the, you know, all the information to give me the, the advice on that, but he's like, Oh, you know, if you learn how to paint, then you can do illustration if you want blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but uh, it gave me the confidence to study something that, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a teacher now and I meet with parents and I understand the concern that some parents have when, when their kids um, come to look at school and consider studying art. And um my father having gone to art school and then ended up being a banker and then a, in, you know, a, in building and then, in, you know, a real estate appraiser, he didn't see, you know, he didn't see any problem going to school with art because his art study, you know, uh, allowed, you know, helped him with, you know, the other things he did in life. But, you know, I think my, my junior year of college, I did a, a large self-portrait um which i entered in the student show and at the art school the student show like the grad students could enter and the undergrads and it was a relatively big art school and i won the the, the best in show award wow that's awesome and that's that great. was a huge deal my dad and mom were there they drove up and um i think that gave me the i mean i i, I didn't know what else to do sure <laughs> this is yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah you know like yeah. this is what i did and and then I saw the, you know, I had this great teacher named Stephen Brown and then other great teachers, a guy named Gregory Gillespie that I, I saw, you know, how they walked and talked and how they existed in the world as artists. And it was, uh, I was like, that's where I want to be. And that's where, mm. you know, I can feel that there's not really much of a choice in it. You know, it's, mm, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I complete I completely identify with that. Like I got nothing else. Like I couldn't even I couldn't fathom anything else than the theater. It was just like I, I can't see myself doing anything other than that. And sometimes that is see, when, saves when I, my ass. <laughs> when, I, when I was at that age, I couldn't see myself doing anything. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I'm sitting here just being envious of you guys for having that clarity of direction, you know? It didn't feel like clarity of direction though. And and maybe Dave, maybe it did for you, Dave, but for me, it didn't feel like clarity of direction. It felt like not a curse, but it just felt like, well, this is the only, this is the only thing I'm good at. And maybe that comes from a very self-deprecating place, which I know that's not true, but at the time it's like, well, this is the only thing I'm good at. This is, and I probably wrapped my identity up into too much in it at the time. Maybe it seems to have worked out. Okay. Yeah. It worked out, but you know, yeah, back when I was in high school and when uh, my friend passed away and another, you know, another, you know, other people were having troubles and another friend died, I saw it as a way of like, I wanted to, and this sounds cliche and I, I makes me cringe saying it, but I wanted to do something that I could feel, you know, good about doing. I wasn't necessarily interested in, you know, getting a job 
just to make money. I wanted to have, you know, a way to express myself and mm-hmm. tell the story of where, you know, these kids were coming from and where I was coming sure. from and so on and so forth. And that kind of got me launched and, and pushed me through when I wasn't having the easiest time to keep mm-hmm. on going for it. And again, the same old thing where like, I didn't know what are the other options. So it didn't just like what Steve just said, you know, I would have just, and it, and it helped me when I got out of school, <laughs> I didn't have tons of job. I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't have tons of art related job prospects. So, you know, it, you know, painting in the evening got me through my job, giving out, you know, tassels to new mental, newly mental, minted graduates. <laughs> from the mm-hmm. University of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then, after undergrad, you did you go immediately to graduate school? Then it, it was what was what was that journey like for you? I guess once you got finished up at Harvard, like what was what was the it was like? Did you take any time between undergrad and graduate school, or did you go straight to grad school because you you know you wanted to further your study? Well, I knew I wanted to go to graduate school and I, I applied to graduate school uh, my senior year and I applied to man, like 15 places. And this is back in the day when you had to sl- send in your, your application with slide carousels. Oh, nice. With individ- individually loaded slides. So I had to buy 18 slide carousels wow. to send to schools, which is, you know, it was an investment. Um, but uh, I, I was set to go to Brooklyn College um, immediately following undergrad. Uh, but <laughs> there a couple things came up. I the, the, the financial aid office could not figure out that I was signed up for the selective service. So they couldn't give me me a financial aid package and I kept on giving him proof <laughs> that I signed I was like I got loans from from undergrad and then, you know it's and it just they just weren't understanding and then the guy I was going to study under was the same teacher as my, my mentor in undergrad Stephen Brown and um and as a side note Stephen I'm gonna have a show of Stephen Brown's work at Wesleyan Oh, cool. Coming up in November, which I'm oh. working on now. But That's um, awesome. But the guy, Leonard Anderson, who I, you know, I've always admired his painting, he was only in on Saturday and he was actually going blind. Oh. So I just decided that it was cool. I was at that point for that summer, I was living in Amherst, Massachusetts, and um, I was with my girlfriend and I liked hanging out there. And I was like, I'm not going to go take this risk. I'll just keep on painting and try to get into the other schools. I didn't get into Mm. when I applied. Cause like my, 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 I have, I was, I, out of the 18 schools or whatever, how many I applied to, I got into like three, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, so I just kept on painting. I worked, you know, at an art store and, you know, cleaning apartments cooking pizza and painting in the evening mm-hmm. so did you actually it was two like, years did, after did you toss nice. the dough did you do that thing with were you pizza? that guy you weren't allowed you weren't supposed to do that because that messes with the um the way that the the the, the texture of the crust oh. according to the Bertucci's manual of <laughs> um you know hold on so is <laughs> so the I, tossing of pizza cook 
So I know. Like that. That's why we have you as an art expert and I guess now a pizza <laughs> expert. Right. I thought the tossing of the dough was really to stretch it out. Is that just for show? Is that what you're telling us? I also thought yeah, it, it makes... had something to do with like getting air in it or something to make it, you know, doughy. I don't know. It makes it chewier. And the, they used a, we, we used a, a, you know, as a big brick oven that got uh-huh. up to like a thousand yeah. degrees. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to and, do it. Uh, and so, oh, I don't know. That was the rule. And if we were caught tossing the dough, because it was a big like exposed kitchen mm-hmm. where everybody could watch us. And if we right. wanted to show, they would, they would, they would slap us on the rest. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, what was the name of the but, pizza um, pizza joint? Vertucci's. 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 Which is a chain, like fancier pizza oh, chain. Okay. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I digressed. I just was curious. <laughs> yeah. No, well, we're probably going to talk like, about food eventually. Yeah. The yeah. three of us. But sure. uh, so then you're tossing pizza, or you're not tossing pizza around, <laughs> and then you you get into grad school. You had a couple years. I mean, this this is all sounding very familiar to my trajectory, David. And I I don't know that we've gone into this sort of detail in our relationship, but I'm like, man, this sounds really familiar because it was like I had about two years between, you know undergrad and graduate school and um yeah so so because you went to when when did northwestern happen well uh i i applied to northwestern when i was a senior and at hartford and i i you know you know this is back before you checked everything on the internet so i you know, I had all the catalogs and all the departmental brochures and going through the, the different pr- professor listings with my teacher. And Stephen uh, pointed out uh, James Valerio, who taught at um, Northwestern as somebody that I should look into studying with. And, um, and another, I mean, there, and so I, when I did round two of applications, I got into more schools and, um, you know, I, Northwestern, I went to visit. I went to visit the University of Chicago and the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and then Northwestern. And Northwestern was, you know, like a paradise. The campus is, you know, mm-hmm. really it's nice. on a private beach. And it's, I got a, I got offered a, a fellowship, which meant that I didn't have to pay for school and I got money mm-hmm. each month. Amazing. So it was like, you know, you know the other the other choices we were a little bit closer to my wheelhouse as being a I, back then i used to call myself a realist painter which i don't really you know call myself that anymore but mm-hmm. um uh some of the other schools were a little i wanted to go to school that would not be the same thing like i didn't mm-hmm. want to have i would i wanted to have like a home base which jim valerio was going to be but i wanted some other professors that were going to say that you know I didn't know what I was doing, which I, and in fact, I didn't know what I was doing because mm. in a lot of ways in the, in my undergrad education, I was, um, the, the, the painting era, painting department was completely, uh, it was sort of dysfunctional. <laughs> it was completely dysfunctional. I mean, the <laughs> one Stephen Brown was, you know, didn't acknowledge that modern modernist painting or 20th century painting so much, you know, mm. except for the sort of alternative narrative of like the, you know, the representational lineage in the 20th century. And then the other professor was still stuck in like, you know, 1950s abstract painting and mm. they would just fight one another. 
about right. like, you know, one teacher would be like, oh, you're stuck in the 19th century and the other would, you know, blah, blah, blah. So when I got to graduate school, I had no idea about, I, did, I was clueless. So I got oh, thrown wow. into some pretty intensive seminars just to kind of, and I, that's what I wanted. You know, I yeah. wanted to be clued in on, on contemporary art really. Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. it's it, really awesome. You, you mentioned you don't identify as a realist, realistic, what was that real, a realist painter? What do you, if yeah. you, do you give yourself, I know that it's sometimes, I don't know, passe to not sort of be in a genre or be, or be labeled anything like, but do you, do you adopt a label in some way? Do you have that as far as who you are now as an artist or did you find that in grad school? Maybe. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there anything that you want to you know leave i mean if i i mean I, I guess i would say that i'm a representational painter mm-hmm. um because you know the realist you know the term realist is pretty dogmatic yeah. and and um representational painting is general enough so you know i i can because i you know within my practice i i I try to do different things and, you know, they're all kind of interconnected, but they definitely don't all fall in the realist category. And a lot of times realist ends up being, you know, there's many different art worlds and realist painting is kind of this, uh, I like to see it's more conservative, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, painting plain air landscape painting or, yeah painting um apples and oranges or something mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that but i just don't see myself as that so mm-hmm. ice cubes not ice apples cubes. and oranges sure ice yeah cubes. <laughs> it's totally different totally different totally different yeah uh-huh you know what when we were in chicago a few weeks ago we saw the monet Ib- exhibit at the art institute and that was one of those things where I really wish I could have devoted more time to it because I we blew through, I don't know, 40 Monet paintings in about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the exhibit was just mind boggling um, in its a just the fact that it was there and then that that work. Um, I don't know. That was just I. you said there's lots of, you know, the world of art is large and that mm-hmm. really um walking through that building admittedly at a somewhat uh accelerated pace <laughs> um mm-hmm. it, my head just melted in a really <laughs> great way you know mm-hmm. um when we spent some time in just kind of the main area and we went and saw the monet, monet thing and then we're walking out there and then there's the contemporary wing mm-hmm. which is like a whole other uh adventure mm-hmm. that we did mm-hmm. the yep cool kept moving you know (laughs) i I, want to go back there sometime and and actually absorb some of that um anyway there there really wasn't a point to that other than that you dave i I saw some really cool art recently (laughs) that i just don't fully appreciate fully appreciate well you could spend days in that museum Uh, weeks yeah yeah Yeah. so it was just one of those things what, when I, this is totally anecdotal and really ridiculous, but I'm going to say it. My friend Dave Nell, who I was walking around Chicago a few years ago looking at, 
we weren't at the art institute we were somewhere else <clears throat> and everything we walked up to and he just as smug as shit every every piece he'd walked up and he'd be like hmm i get oh i get it and then he'd go to the next one oh i oh yeah i get it and just like every <laughs> I mean, he was totally oh, wow. joking. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't being pretentious. He was totally being a character, but just like, and everybody around him was like, what's with this guy? It's just every piece. <laughs> oh, I get it. And then he would move on. So he, he was performance art. <laughs> yes, he's a total improviser, hilarious comedian actor. So uh, that's what you get when you put an actor like that in an art museum. Sure. So oh, how, did, how did you, okay, so how did you get up, get to Lincoln? What was that? Well, I huh. yeah, applied for the job. Oh, okay, sure. At at at, at uh, Wesleyan, I I applied to, you know, when this is like Angel, after you're done with Northwestern. Yes, yeah. Okay. So I I know I wanted to teach, and actually none of my you know classmates wanted to <laughs> off the bat, and I was the only yeah. one who wanted to. Um, Same. And it wasn't yeah. like. So you guys had it that wasn't in common. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I my mom was a teacher for forever for thirty some years, and um, I had I just you know really admired my own teachers, so I thought mm. it would be a, a cool thing to do. Of course, sure. I had little experience, um, you know, and so, but I you know I I applied to to jobs all around the country, and then I I flew to Seattle for the College Art Association um, uh, conference and then did like speed interviews. Mm. And uh, I remember <laughs> the, the job at Wesleyan actually, uh, I wasn't going to be interviewed and I just called all the places that I applied to and I said, I'm going to be here if you want to interview me. And they just added me on at the end. So nice. Huh. Yeah. That's great. And so, and I would have just such nerves about the, the interview process that I still remember the interview with um, the art historian at Wesleyan in his hotel room. I, I come in and I, I start sweating bullets and I just like come out and say it. I'm like, I'm a sweater. And, you know, I'm just going to sweat through this. <laughs> just, let's just get this out of the way. I'm drenched in my own sweat. So that's what's up. I'm a sweater. <laughs> And so I think he he appreciated that, and um, yeah. So then I did the the uh, the on campus interview. I got down to the as a finalist, and and then I got offered the job, which was like a miracle. Like I couldn't believe it actually happened. I was mm -hmm. I was still not even. I was just finishing up my thesis show, and then it's kind of going to be moving to a place sight unseen because I've only only been in Nebraska for the interview that was the only time mm. you know i'd ever mm -hmm. ever visited so so you kind of sh you shut your eyes and took the job yeah and i i felt incredibly fortunate i mean i sure trust me it wasn't as if i'm like oh, i don't know about this I, I felt very blessed that i was given the opportunity to, to teach at wesleyan mm. and um and i tried to make the best of it sure mm. so well that's, i mean that's are you 17 years now is that Starting my seventeenth year in the yeah. fall, I can't believe wow. it. Wow, wow, amazing! Yeah. And so, yeah, that's. I mean, that's. Uh, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I definitely identify with, and and maybe there were some of my co colleagues that um, at my grad school that had thought about teaching because I think some of them listened to this. So I don't want to. I don't want to say I was the only one that was considering it, but 
it was something that I, it was, I was like kind of being pulled to do. And you kind of, it sounds to me like you, you had already accepted that halfway through your training. Is that, is that accurate? Well, well, I'll give you, well, there's a back when I, when, you know, talking about my father, encouraging me to study art, he had this master plan when I was um, getting out of my trouble in high school that mm -hmm. I would go to college, play lacrosse and do art, then go to graduate school and then go to some random school that had both lacrosse and art. And I would be like the perfect employee because I could cover two positions. <laughs> you so could be got... the lacrosse coach and the art professor. Yeah. <laughs> that's that... again, that's that... not really a thing that happens, but <laughs> yeah. And now I have this, the XTC song making plans for Nigel in my head. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. But um, I mean, his idea of like, oh, you know, you know, and I, I knew my mom who, you know, my mom teaching in high school and I knew how much they didn't really expect her to write and they didn't expect much professional activity. I knew from my own art teachers in high school that they didn't make a lot of art um, at least my teachers didn't so I wanted the to be able to teach but also have the opportunity to make work mm -hmm. because that was going to be something I had to do anyway mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah wow well that sounds like that sort of the stars aligned for you to come to Wesleyan which is you know a great yeah a great place because it's like a a small a smaller school that you can kind of really have a huge impact and you don't have, you're not just, you're not just a name on a roster of faculty. You actually get to influence and be a part of the student body, which like I referenced at the top of the conversation, you know, and, and you're, and I've known a couple of your students actually, and they all say amazing things about you. Like you're, you're a fan favorite around campus as far as your, your teaching ability and your, and who you are as a person, you know? So like, you didn't get warehoused or, you, you know, some larger schools make their professors like leave all the time and be gone and not ever really be on campus. But you get, you get that opportunity to really have an impact on your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I had great teachers. So, yeah. I mean, if I could do some of the stuff that they did for me, I thought I would be in a good spot. I mean, that being said, I moved, Moving to Nebraska, not knowing anybody, I spent so much time at school. My studio was at school. I had a, a dumpy apartment down the street. And mm -hmm. so I was there during class, after class, in the evening. Um, and I, you know, I, I, let, I let my students know that I didn't know much, mm -hmm. but I would try really hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And I think they appreciated that uh, I wasn't. I was, I mean, I didn't talk down to them. Like I knew mm -hmm. everything. Cause mm -hmm. I, you know, it was obvious. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, oh. to, but to the, er, but to, you know, your average, I don't know what that looks like. College freshman coming in and taking art classes. Like you're, you had done and accomplished things that they were only dreaming of. Hmm. Well, so, I have, I, yeah. I mean, I had skills. Like I, I knew how to, I have I knew some of the history of art, you know, the, the discourse of contemporary art ideas of, you know, modernist art. And I had some skills of like how to paint that I was taught, mm 
Mm-hmm. But you know that's not that doesn't make an artist necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know um, what so, what what does make an artist? It's that plus you know who you are as a person and what you want to say, right? See, that's you know, the thing. That's you said what I was really hoping you were gonna say was that you, you it's expressing something that you feel needs to be said in a way that doesn't necessarily involve words. Through yeah. some other medium, mm-hmm. but and that's that's something that I've always struggled with is finding a voice in that way hmm. through like music. I like I I can't write. I say, listen to me. I can't write songs. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe perhaps a more accurate way to say that is that when I've tried, I've I've thought, well, this is horrible, and I've stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. But that, that's that's the thing is I see because I've known Joel for quite some time and I've watched his work and, and I've known you for a little bit. No, Dave, and I've seen your work and you guys both have something to say hmm. that is uh, profound uh, to me anyway, hmm. through through entirely different media. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I was just telling I was just telling a, a grad school friend of mine, though, he sent me this this treatment of a monologue from this longer piece that he's finally, and he's been dreaming and I love you, Armando. Um, but he, he's been talking about this piece for a long time and he sent me a a little sample and had me read through it today. And, you know, it was really freaky for him, but it was like, you know, I basically said something along the lines of like, you know, sometimes, sometimes starting the thing is the hardest part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes writing that thing, starting that painting is the hardest part. Um, and I think that, uh, because, you know, there's there's tons of self-doubt that precedes the first, you know, stroke of the pen or keyboard or mm-hmm. or brush. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really do want to go down that avenue with you, Dave, though, because, you, you know, if, if you could, if you could describe what it is you think you are. Uh, what what you do want to express what would that be or what or maybe a better way with a with a because i don't really know how to talk to painters unfortunately but like if are there pieces in your catalog in your in your in your body of work that you felt were in line with touching on that thing that you felt was only yours to express okay and i want to piggyback off of that for a second because what i've seen from a purely lay person's perspective out of dave's work is a desire like there's a there's a a melancholy note maybe mm. that but not necessarily sadness but uh what's the word i'm looking for oh gosh it, it just left me a humanity in 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 there's that picture you have of of of, of a house maybe it's a room that is it's it's like that it's the famous painting of the guy sitting at the diner in los angeles and it kind of has your work has some of that vibe to it, and some facial expressions mm. that it seems like you're trying to get at the what I felt is a is a a, a profound sense of humanity mm. and and that kind of life is hard, mm. but here we are. Does that mm. make? I mean, is that yeah. tapping into it all? I mean, there's just been times where I just sit and stare at your paintings and think, my God. Like that, it just hits me in a way that's really, uh, in a way that I wouldn't expect to be hit. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think that, well, first, like going back to Joel, your friend who went through the gallery and said, oh, I understand what this person's <laughs> yeah. doing here. I get it. I get it. Um, I get it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I talked to students about how, you know, with most art, unless it's very, you know, specific, you know, didactic or political, most art, you know, doesn't work in that way, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, um, it's about, you know, about communicating specific information. You know, one thing that I hold on to, even though I'm, you know, a representational painter, mostly, um, hold on to with, you know, modernist painting is that it's like the, the, the movement away from language and the specificity of language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it doesn't communicate, my paintings don't communicate clearly. There is kind of a vibe or a feeling to them, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, about being, you know, what does my painting do that other paintings don't do? Not much. I mean, I think I'm part mm-hmm. of a tradition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's the great essay by T.S. Eliot where tradition and the indiv- individual talent, where he talks about there's no new work it's just you know the library just continues to expand and maybe you Mm -hmm. can get your book on the shelf of the grand Mm. literary you know canon or something like that talking about poetry um that all being said uh you know i i i i don't know i go i go for you know something images that are that are have some sort of unresolved narrative or or, um something kind of lurking underneath i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so even in like the prettiest paintings i think there is a bit of melancholy um sort of the aching beauty of youth you know you know Mm -hmm. it's fleeting or something like that Mm -hmm. so there's a sadness to that and uh kind of the you know taking and i think something i learned when i was you know when i was you know going through the traumatic stuff in high school is that reality can be so incredibly abstract Mm. right it's not like as simple as this is that thing you know it's Mm. like all the other stuff that is left out of the frame that you know that's brought to bear the frame of the painting outside of the image um that gets brought to bear you know so i end up painting these like close-up images of single objects or you know single portraits and you don't know who the person is. You don't know why this object is chosen. So it's like all the, you know, that, that sort of specificity leaves out all the, like the bigger context. Mm. And then I make paintings that are kind of, they're, they're not, they're blurry or they're, you know, fields, you know, with not much specificity. And that, that lack of specificity is where the abstractness mm. comes into mm. play. And, um, yeah, and I, I used to think it was a cop out to say, you know, the meaning is made by the viewer, but I really, you know, that's the. I'm constantly rethinking about what my paintings mean. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they change for me, so they most certainly must change for each person that looks at them. Right? I I can't. Yeah, there, you've given us a lot to chew on, man. <laughs> but I I can't. Um, I, I I mean, as a Dave's grinning gleefully. As an artist that has to has to watch his stuff disappear all the yeah. time, I I I just got really I just got really emotional thinking about some of the original work that I've done. It lives in this like because I often feel 
um, like I, I'm I, like I'm Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite, sort of talking <laughs> about the talking about the good old days, because they can't. Mm-hmm. I can't show anybody the good old days. Like you know, like I I don't have because. Co- I, part of the reason I love the medium I work in is that it disappears completely that we all get together at the end and tear it apart and make right. it go away. Um, and, uh, to, but for you to kind of have these artifacts almost that sort of change stories for you that you can continue to go back to and look at, like, I've seen the paintings that you're talking about that you've, you know, painted about your, your, your traumatic time in high school or whatever and you get to kind of hold on to those and rehang them and see them from where you are right now and they change that's that's fascinating a whole other thing too and i want to say this before i forget sorry to dominate the conversation but in order to follow that idea of being so specific on a close-up object you've had to hone your technique to be very very specific in your painting I'd love to hear a little about that too, like how how you've how 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 it's been for you to get ultra specific in your painting because that's almost you almost get down to like a very into the minutia you almost have to very in order for that so. for that painting to look so real. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to think I, I I used to you know I don't I'm not sure if I believe it anymore, but I used to try to make a painting that would go through the the sort of photographic you know realist look and kind of come out the other end where it doesn't look Mm -hmm. realistic anymore where it starts to kind of turn into something else or Mm. other patterns or things emerge out of it i mean i was lucky to have an incredible you know incredible teachers ed paschke who was one of my teachers so at steve uh you were at the Art Institute and the street right next to the Art Institute is Ed Paschke Way. You know, oh. they renamed the street right next to you know the Art Institute, which is a you know a big deal after yeah. one of my teachers. Totally missed that. Yeah, James Valerio and then Stephen Brown. He was looking for he was looking for Italian beef or Italian <laughs> beef sandwiches. He missed the street name. He was it's, looking no, for I was that was I was actually having a conversation with my daughter about some of the things she was seeing on the street. Oh yeah. Wow. But anyway. Wow. Sorry, I totally interrupted, Dave. Well, one thing that I learned, you know, from their paintings and then looking at paintings that I wasn't so into was, or at least for me, that, I mean, I love a lot of different types of painting and I love looking at them and I'm glad that other people can make them because it's just not something that I can make. I get um, that. But I, but uh, yeah, so what I found is, is that with, you know, the the, the teachers that I really tuned in with, they, they would build their paintings through like indirect processes. So they would like paint them and then paint them out and then power sand them and then scrape them off and then repaint them. And, you know, the, there's an, you know, a act of randomness that, you know, that happens through the sanding process or whatever else. And then, you know, eventually, you know, you're, you start to just follow the painting. So like at the beginning of the painting, you have this kind of image that's very blurry in your mind's eye. And then you sort of follow that and then it might change as you're halfway through. And then you eventually just like end up with something where you're just sort of like, okay, Mm. here it is. This is Mm. it. This is not Mm. where I thought I was going to start. I mean, there's a recent painting that you two probably know. It's like a blue painting with these big, you know, bright colored, you know, 
sparkles you know, dots and lights yeah. it, the, I, 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 pull, I pulled it up to show my brother and i was like it looks like yeah it looks like sparkly magic i don't know i mean it's like i think it's the surface of the water maybe no well i originally started that as like the top of my pontiac vibe <laughs> <laughs> perfect okay so i mean it, it doesn't look anything like the top yeah. of the car at this point it looks like the like you're looking on the like a close up view of a marble or the a planet or something. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And I want to note two things. One is I love that you said that I used to think this, but I'm not sure that I do anymore. <laughs> Just because yeah. that like that's uh, there's an openness there that I really oh, yeah. appreciate about you is just not. Well, I don't do I think that. You know, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't think about whether they still think something or not. You know, it's just mm -hmm. the way it is, mm -hmm. right? So I really mm -hmm. dig that you said that, and then I love that, like that idea of just starting the artistic journey. And we're gonna try some things, and 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 then like you know it when it's done, mm -hmm. like yeah. you know when it's done, like mm -hmm. oh, well there it is, and it may or may not be at all what you what you started out trying to do. Mm -hmm. Like that's awesome. That's profound, mm -hmm. and that's the that's the joy of it, really. And that's what sure. makes painting such a joy for me is that I I can just be right there in the, in the making of it, working with these really simple materials. You know, you're pushing dirt around, you know, mixed with some oil with like a stick with hair on it, you know, and you're just for I I I can't even tell you how many how much of my life I've spent doing that and. I, I just every time I go back to it, I, I love it. I'm gonna, you know, do it after we speak. You know, it's just mm. uh, it it brings me. It kind of it yeah. So it do rounds you, out my, my day. Do hmm. you? And this may be a dumb question, but as you are painting, do you kind of enter that world? Is the best way I could think to put it. Where does your brain kind of switch into like? Do you get absorbed into that? work that medium the process to the extent that like the rest of the world just kind of doesn't exist for a while while you're in that zone is that a thing that happens um that's in the best circumstances sure yeah mm. yeah okay that's where i hope to be and some it doesn't yeah. usually happen but because usually there's like the cat meowing or right. you know, or i'm just <laughs> like frustrated and other things sure. that are lingering but it, it usually quiets the world. And sometimes yeah. it, it's, mm. there's a famous quote by uh, the painter, Philip Gustin, where well, I, I'm going to butcher it, but he says, you know, when you're painting, you need to get everybody out of the room. Mm. And when you're really painting, you leave the room too. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Mm. I get that. I dig I get that. that. Yeah. I, yeah. when i was a kid or when i first started like listening to music and stuff i remember i read a quote from bob where he said when it's really happening i'm not even conscious of my guitar yeah and like i didn't understand what that meant but i don't i understand what that means today yeah and and the same thing garcia said one time he said uh he's like when it's happening it's the easiest thing in the world and yeah. i don't think about anything but then there are nights when i where i can't get past thoughts of like this string looks weird or my mm -hmm. foot feels funny mm -hmm. you know and there's thirty thousand people out there that i got to do this for and i can't like i don't my toe feels weird you know <laughs> and so it's hard to break through to that space of just being open 
It, it, I, I mean, and I'll, I'll chime in on that. There, there has been times in rehearsals when plays that I'm directing or, or things that I'm creating. And it's like, uh, I, I can't shut off the valve of instinct. You know, I just can't shut. And I'm like, I'm kind of a maniac and my uh -huh. students and the people I'm working with kind of laugh and they, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not abusive. I'm just like, I'm a different person. It's yeah. like, I, 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 something takes over the muses take the wheel but then there are times where I'm like, I'd much rather be watching baseball right now. Like, I don't even want to fucking be here, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and that's, I think it, that's, it, that's what comes with it. Like that's, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's why I really think it's cool that all three of us sort of experience the arts in different ways. You know, Steve is a musician and Dave's a painter. I'm a theater artist and it's like actor. So it's like, that's, um, it's comforting. <laughs> Right. It's comforting to hear that like, you know, cause I, I, I follow a couple other painters that I know and I'm like, these fuckers are proficient and I'm sitting here not writing. That's all I see. <laughs> I see them painting on Instagram and all that. It's Joel, an attack. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, that's this, just, Joel, this, your that's, post is about me not writing anything you're right just, now. You're, you're just having everyone's Instagram experience. That's all that is. Yeah, I know. Cause everybody else is having this amazing life and your life just sucks and you suck. Oh God! Uh, anyway, follow the Instagram on Trying to Be Better Podcast. Because I feel this awesome. way too. Right? That's exactly right. So, has Dave, there ever been a painting, Dave, where you're like, when you that you've had from years before that you're like, I should have I should have stopped sooner? Or does everything you have kind of like, yep, that's that's what that needed to be, and you just sort of accept that where that's at? I you know at a certain you know at a certain point, you know, the older paintings, I just, I've totally let go of, mm. I mean, I, it's not like I, I don't worry about them because mm. I know that I'm working on this and I have this and that to do next and then yeah. the next. And, you know, in terms of like, when you guys were talking about, you know, starting something new, I always make a point that, you know, before I finish something, I have other things to start or they're already started. Yeah. So like they're already in process as I'm finishing something else up. So I don't run into that gap. Oh, um, that's, sure. that's, there's a spiritual, I mean, there's an artistic lesson in there for sure, obviously, but there's a spiritual lesson in that too. It's like that stuff that's back there. I don't, I don't trip. Uh, I don't, I try not to trip over things behind me, you know, like right. you've let that go and it may be a part of your shows or you may have given it away or sold it, but it's like, it's gone. And, and I don't worry about that because I have things going on right now that need, that need my attention. And I moved on and like, that keeps you, that keeps you from, you know, tripping over things behind you. Well, and, and I, I, I learned, I mean, uh, Stephen Brown, he got, he would get so caught up in his paintings that he would just have crisis moments. This is my mm. teacher from Harvard. And he, so he set up a system where he would work on a painting you know, for like 45 minutes and he would have an egg timer. Mm -hmm. And then when the bell went off, he switched to another painting and he would have like 60 paintings going at a time. Wow. Oh my God. So he would not, cause he would get so obsessive about one thing that he, that was his number, this ridiculous number. So he 16? would just go direct. Some, yeah. I mean, I, you'll, you know, the, the show is going to be essentially, you know, how his studio was left when he died, mm. you know? So it's a bunch of unfinished paintings and some perfect, well, you know, fully resolved paintings and mm. everything in between. And um, so you get to see like the different paintings, like some paintings that are just, they look perfect, 
but they have tape all over them and they're not cut out yet because he would paint on plywood. That'll be cool. So he would actually cut out the paintings at the end. Mm. So just in case he wanted to make it bigger, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then I had a, a Gregory Gillespie, another undergrad professor. He would like, he would always work on old paintings, and mm. it was very unhealthy. I think you know mm. he would mm. take these paintings that you know were in museum shows and then just repaint them and then repaint them. And he oh, talked wow. about it as if it was about freedom i don't know if it was i think he mm. was always trying to keep everything up to his present level mm. you know if it was hanging around it's going to be like where i he, he and it was it was it, i think it weighed down on him i i, I get that i there's a <laughs> I, sh- I directed i directed a show called the flick by annie baker a few years ago and it's a beautiful beautiful very representational play that has a lot of dark undertones. I love that. It was great. I love that play. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go back, there's this part where I gave one of the actors in that uh, play a a song that wasn't in the script. I gave her Big Pimpin' to sing to by Jay-Z. Every time I hear a different like punk song or hip hop song, I'm redirecting that whole scene in my mind. And if I could do it, I would do it. And I would be stuck in that loop. I totally, and it's like this. Ooh, there, inconsist- there's a good story. Like Dude. the artist that's stuck in a loop because they can't oh get God. out of. And they're justifying it as artistic freedom. And, you know, but they just keep ruining the same painting over and over. That's what I would do with that scene. I would just redirect oh, that one moment because I can't, it's kind of obsess- obsessive. There's so. a story in there somewhere. I know. I, maybe I'll write that play about Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I knew that. I mean, again, I, I think people saw that in me. So I was, I think, you know, my teachers, visiting artists, everybody just kept on telling me not to do that. Ah, uh, they're like, this, you know, this this kid's gonna, this kid's gonna go on loop if we don't knock him out of it. Well, I mean, when I when I was in graduate school, you know, the other my you know my friends and the other students, they would like go out on Friday nights and Saturday. Nights. I was stuck in the studio painting. Mm. because my paintings would just take so long and the mm. it were, there were trimesters and so i had 10 weeks to come up with all new paintings for critique mm. and it was just i had to, it just it forced me to just kind of do it and work it as hard as i could but then just like let it go when it was when yeah. it happened mm. um, well that's so, a that's a huge lesson to learn sometimes it sucks to learn it <laughs> to let it go yeah. Uh, what what are you working on currently? I'm working on the the ice cube painting, um, which is the third of the you know the 20 year series of ice cube paintings. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and then this I is... have. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. And then I have a like a, a small portrait of my son, but I'm not going to really. I don't know if I'm going to include the fact that he's my son in the title. Hmm. Um, you know, drawing. Yeah. So the the ice cube painting is currently, I worked on it last night, so it's drying. So I'm going to work on the portrait tonight. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, so. I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump uh, all over Joel here and, and say, Dave, what are you listening to right now yeah, while, nice. while, while you're painting? What do you, what do you, what are you listening to these days? Well, guys, I was prepared for this question. Yes. <laughs> and so. Oh, he's oh, going to go. Got visual aids. Oh my God. I got visual aids here. Okay, so I wanted to I wanted to point out that my pandemic album uh-huh. 
was. Oh my god, he's got a stack of records. He's got a stack of records. Seriously, dude, I gotta go to bed sometime. (laughs) Kings. The yes. Kings, right? <laughs> Arthur, the decline and fall of the British Empire. It's wow. like my number one pandemic record. Wow, very good. So, okay, that's awesome. Yes. And I got uh, M Word Post War. Oh, I which, love that. I love that album. I don't so know much. that at all. You need to listen to that. M Word. Okay. All right. I I accidentally got into M Word because I saw him open for Bright Eyes at uh, the Hollywood Bowl, and I had no idea who he was, and it was right after that record came out, and I was like changed forever i love that record okay all right yeah that album is m M ward steve steve's typing it out m ward i got it i got it i'm all over it yeah post-war is the best best i got it yeah and then uh free energy which was i saw them at the bourbon years ago it's like bringing the 70s back with a vengeance okay and they've since broken up but it's a great album i got uh the Who Odds and Sods. Nice. And then I had a number of Jimmy Jimmy Smith. Oh, good. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. So this this one's a good one. Groove drops. So I don't I'm Jimmy I'm not Smith's as familiar with Jimmy drops. Smith. I know a little Jimmy Smith. I need to. Yeah. I've been listening what what sort of is what sort of music is Jimmy Smith, Dave? Uh He's the the world's greatest, you know, organ player. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That okay. was uh, when one of my deadhead buddies, when Garcia died, got way into Jimmy Smith through um, Gray Boy All Stars. Okay, like he got Gray Boy All Stars and then got moved into into Jimmy Smith through them. So Joel, the uh, the Beastie Boys song "Root Down." Yes. That's Jimmy Smith. Okay. They, they, and that's they his sampled. song. There's, his song is called Root Down. It's like a total <laughs> homage. To, <laughs> homage or they, just total ripoff? Well, they, they, they say they say his name, Jimmy Smith, in the song. It's oh, like, that's it, right. Yeah. yeah. I got Check Your Head right in front of me, actually. Yeah. That's a, that's a favorite. God. So wow. good. Cool. Yeah. Well, Dave, I think we're getting close to the end of our time. Um. But yeah, dude, thanks for sharing your... Yeah, thank you for doing thank this. Thank you for doing this, and thanks for sharing a little bit of a window into your artistry. Mm-hmm. I, I could imagine... I feel like, this could, like we, should, we could have like a series of just this talk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, can I, can I say one shout out here? Please. Just to let people know about something? Please. So our friend Jack and mm-hmm. myself, and I'm hoping this happens because technically oh, yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah. heard Jack back Jack was yet. telling me about this. But there's a porch art palooza what where yep. i'm going to be showing paintings on jack's porch and he's going to be curating 83 space what yes isn't that amazing <laughs> when is this happening i just made up the i just made up the 83 space he's going to be oh. curating the dead music but i don't know i thought that would be cool but he, he, he it's up to him that's, <laughs> his, that's his i think i think well i think now <laughs> since it's now since it's on the podcast he has to be curating all different genre, all different uh, eras of space and sure. drums. That, I think that's, that. I think that's yeah. what's got to happen. Uh-huh. And I'm super excited about that. And that's when does that happen? I think it's, I think it's. Oh, I'm going to give the wrong date. It's in August. Okay. I think it's August fifth. <laughs> well, we'll okay. We'll keep tabs on yeah. it and post it on the Instagrams. Oh my god, I'm. That's amazing. Yeah. It I is can't amazing. Wait. Yeah. And you and your the the show of your former mentor is happening in 
November, November at Wesleyan? Nebraska yeah. Wesleyan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let us know, and we'll put that out there for sure. Yep. Um, right on. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's really well, an honor to get to have you. It's, and, it's uh, great to see. All we're missing is some hot dogs. Oh, yeah. We didn't even sure. talk about Costco yeah. and your guys' weird obsession with that place. What it, it, what it really boils down to is that it just kind of worked out that we could have lunch there. That's how we became friends. Yeah. Really. Is it just kind of worked out that we could meet on Tuesdays and have a hot dog at Costco? It was great. Right I next to the right next to the tire smell. I was just saying I can smell the tires right now more than the hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good times, you know. Are the hot dogs back at at Costco? They never left. You just couldn't eat them inside, but you can now, thanks to there but being no more now. pandemic, according to our governor. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, yeah. Tuesdays, Tuesdays with more like Tuesdays with Maury, but Tuesdays with Dave hot dogs. Much. Yeah, it was great. Cool. Yeah, yeah we well, gotta, we gotta just we gotta do that as a group. It's, uh, I think that would be there. fun. They have decent vegetarian dog. fare at this uh, at this you know Costco mm-hmm. deli. Do. I'm in. Sweet. I need some new tires too. So well, <laughs> we go get some food and some tires. <laughs> take our food over to the whatever the summer lawn furniture display is and have a little picnic. Book book a Florida vacation, buy a sure. Rolex watch, and get uh, you know four pallets of cheese. That's right. Thanks, Dave. Yep. We really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. You rock. You, you guys are awesome. Thank, You're awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Right, yeah, later. glad you could do it.